0: Come with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great chapter on love. And I want to finish on verse 13. And it says, and these three remain, the great pillars, you know, on, on the I was, oh, on the day that the, the Twin Towers in New York fell down after the planes threw in, into them. And the whole world was gripped by fear. And there was a shaking that happened in a, in a physical sense and also in a spiritual sense. That these two great towers that represented the, the, the wealth and prosperity of a great city. They represented the, the ingenuity and the innovation. They represented the greatness and, and, and like the towering strength and the, 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 the vision and the opportunity and the future and the, and, the, and the optimism and what couldn't be done that could be done. You know, those two twin towers, I mean I've been there, I've, I've seen them several times and, and they had to see them was just, it's just breathtaking. You know, we, I mean we, we've got centre point and all that but you've got to see these things. You've got to see these things. We can't see them now but, but you know, and, and these two twin towers fell and it's like, oh my goodness, they stood for so much in people's subconscious. They stood for so much over that city. But I tell you, there's a word in here that stands for even even much more. And when all that's fallen around in days of uncertainty, in days of, where things are not as secure as they used to be, in days of change, we've just had a major change in government. Uh, there's changes happening all around us that are, that are phenomenal with, with, with government and uh, situations, uh, with climate, uh, with, with with people's health. And, and I mean I mean, cancer just seems to be just like... Just in so many people, like so often, it's more. It's like there's so much in in It's so much that can be changed. The Bible can be assuring in this that there's three great towers. We might have lost two towers that, that that spoke something to the world, that provided a sense of confidence and security. But God says these three towers still remain. The great pillars of the house of God. The message of the kingdom. The message of Christian City Church. The message that God has placed in Pastor Phil. And uh, and that message is a message of faith, hope and love. And when our world is shaken, we can run to these things. People can take things away from you, but they can never take these three towers, these three pillars in your life, in your marriage, in your dream, in your church, in your community, in this area of Tagra, These three pillars that are here are the pillars of faith, hope and love. And they're the treasures that make all the difference. And you can arrive on the scene at a circumstance, at a calamity, at a, at a thing that's happened in your world, at a disaster, at a family breakdown, at a, at a mess, at somebody who has had something happen to them. You can arrive on the scene like an ambulance. Yeah. And what are you going to turn up with? You're not going to turn up with law. You're not going to turn up with religion. You're not going to turn up with a standard Christian bashing someone over the head. You're going to turn up with faith, hope and love. They are the tools in your doctor's kit on every situation and every scene. You can turn up with faith, hope and love. And these three remain. Great quote from Irwin McManus. He says we live by faith, we know by love, and we carry a voice of hope. You know, we were at a Christmas party at Christmas time and I uh, had a guy, we invited all our staff in my business and all their partners, so there was about twenty five people there and, 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 and only a few of them were actually in my church and most of them would be unsaved and there was a very successful young man who has a very big business uh, right down in the heart of the city, owns one of the biggest real estate firms and a young guy, done very, very well and he was a, a, a partner of one of the girls that worked for us and, and he was sitting there and, and he was a big guy. You know, guys have got the bigness on them, the capacity on them, they're confident, they're successful, uh, they're big thinkers, uh, they're doing well and, uh, but in his world, I knew his world was out of control but I knew he had a gift on his life and he came over to me at the end of the night and he said to me, so just tell me one thing. Why a church? He says, I don't get it because he's looking at me, he's sizing me up all night, he's hearing what I'm saying, he's listening to my speech, to my people, he knows there's something on me, he knows it's like because he's thinking like, you know, like this guy's got something, it's thing, a thing on me, I can identify with what's on you but I don't get the church thing. I don't get this God thing that you run a church. He says, tell me. He says, why would a guy in business like you so successful, why would you start a church? And I I made this answer. I said, if you've experienced what I've experienced, a a response is demanded. If you've experienced the power of the message of faith, hope and love, if you've experienced what I have from God, there is nothing less than a demand, a response demanded. And my response that I, I felt God demanding me was to start a church. And he said, um, I said, I said, you understand the message of Christ requires a response. And he said, what's the message? I said, faith, hope and love. And he says, you've got me. He said, I'll oh, come. I said, come three or four times. He said, no, I'll come once. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, what a divine. He says, you've got me. I'm going to come once. Because he liked the message. He wasn't, you know, he was what's the message of your church? And faith, hope and love, like, I'm messing with his head. And these are three great pillars. So faith, hope and love, they work together. One without the other creates an imbalance. Without all three together, we actually become weird Christians. And uh, Mark Kelsey says this. Faith without love or hope makes us just driven. Hope without faith or love makes us directionless. We're just hoping, but we have no direction, and we just wander, and it's all, it's all good, but there's a trail of destruction behind, and, and, and there's, no, there's no fruitfulness there. And love without any faith or hope makes us a non-moving person, goalless, never progressing in life. And you know, some of the loveliest people in the world are stuck. They? oh they're just such, such a lovely person but they isn't for anything they don't do anything it's like they're stuck yeah they've been in church for years and years and they've been believing and they're just lovely people But it's like they're stuck you used to play that game with a little stuck in the mud and it and, 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 and doesn't matter who you were if you got tipped you had to stand there and you are stuck doesn't matter who you were what was on you how great you are and you're stuck in the mud until someone crawled through your legs remember that game can you remember that stuck in the mud Some of the loveliest people full of love, but they're stuck. You need faith, hope and love. Faith starts things. It creates things. It turns things that are nothing into something. It's a way of seeing. It sees the future. It works on forming it. The possibilities for your life are as high as your faith will take you. Faith is the mirror of the heart that reflects the realities of the unseen world the actual substance of the kingdom of God, that which is seen as temporal, is temporal, It's tent as temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. Yeah. Come on, I can see a church. That's just the stage, goodness me. <laughs> I'm envious. <laughs> Come on, church, get you see it? Faith is more real than what's seeing This, this, whatever. It's it's this faith. It causes things into being that are not as if they were. It forms the worlds, the heroes of the Bible. They weren't commended for their loyalty. They, weren't commended for their, they were not commended for faith. Faith is a spirit. It's a spirit that gets on top of you. It messes with your head, but it gets inside you. When you get a spirit of faith in you, you call things. You create things. You pull what is in heaven, the reality of heaven. You pull it to earth. There's a trial of faith to strengthen your faith. There's a journey of faith to develop your faith. We're called to be believers. Through the prayer of faith, we're able to pull the realities of heaven and earth. Faith has an anchor in the unseen. The invisible realm is superior to the natural realm. Let me tell you that. The superior, the physical realm, it serves the natural. Make sure your life is not serving. Don't live a, you're born too high to live a life so low. You're not meant to be serving what you can see. You're serving the vision. You're serving what is unseen. You have to get your emotions under that. You have to get your mind under that. Some of you have got to get your mouth under that. And And you've got to see that what is unseen is what you're committed to serve. The reality of the invisible world dominates the reality of the natural world. Unbelief is anchored in what is visible or reasonable or doable apart from God. I know sometimes we need to look at it and say, okay, this is where we're at. And you can never really start and launch off in faith until you actually go, okay, this is where we're at. Where are we really at? What do I really believe? What do I really think? What's really got me on the inside? What is my thinking at right now? And work at where you're at and then you repent of that small thing and then you go to a place of faith. Faith, the foundation of it is always repentance. But don't always be bringing God down into your box. God's trying to get you up into his unlimited kingdom. This is the deal. Unbelief honours the natural instead of the invisible. Faith honours, faith honours the unseen. Faith honours the unseen. No matter what happened in 07, 2008, it's going to be bigger and better. As you take a step of faith in the Word of God, the way you activate faith is to step out on this thing. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning is always the word. A brand new day is always in the word. Your new future is in this word. This building is in that church. That building filled is in that church. Your marriage going through a great time is in this word. Your future partner, if you're not married, is in this word. Your new day is in this word. Your health is in this word. Your breakthrough is in this word. Your peace is in this word. Your faith is in this word. Your joy is in this. Your strength in the beginning was the Word. When you take a step on what the Word of God says, you activate faith. You have to move. When you move, God moves. Come on. Everything you starts with a step. One thing I know, and I love it but I hate it, is you can't take the step out of faith. Oh, I wish we could just have faith without the step. Don't you reckon? Like... Because you get filled with the word, your mind's all sorted now, you're full of faith, you've got this conviction of reality on the inside, you've got this substance of the, of the new, you can see it, you can feel it, you're pregnant with the thing, and God says, I want you to, ah! You want me to give? What? You want me to be here every week? What? You want, and there's, you can't take the step out of faith. This is a, it's a great scripture for your church. Isaiah 54, number two. You've heard it before. Enlarge. Everybody say enlarge. We all got to get bigger. Enlarge the place of your tent. That's what we're doing. And let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not. This is a time to spare not for this church. Church, spare not. There's times to spare. And there's times to spare not. Be wise and read the seasons. Spare not. Haul in. You are at a crossroads right now, yeah. but you won't always be at a crossroads. No, no. It's prophetic. You become a Christian City Church Tagra. It's true, crossroads. But you've been at a crossroads, but you finished. Yeah. He says, "Spare not. You commit plus some into your building fund. You have to get this thing up and running and get it finished. This is the this is the window. This is like it's like the stargate is open now." And God has chosen you to be the people to take this thing on to completion. He is formalizing an army, a builder of soldiers, saints, servants, and sons. He is raising this issue. He has called you. Me? Oh, no. You've got the wrong guy. I could never. The reason God's got you here because He believes you can do it. Yeah. He believes you can do it. I tell you, if, 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 if one can, you know, what is it, well, 10 can put a hundred to flight and a hundred can put 10,000 to flight. Come on. Jesus, help us. Church, um, this, is, this is a word for your church. It says, for you'll spread out to the right and the left and your offspring will possess the nations. I'm telling you, Phil, it's the young guys in this church. They're going to take more ground than you've ever thought. There's a whole lot of things that you can do, but they can do it. And you can do it really well. You can probably do it better than them. But as soon as you give it up and let them do it, they're going to overtake you, mate. You guys, it's, your, it's the ground. And there's another word coming up for you guys. They'll make the desolate cities inhabit this place of field. The only thing about this block of land I'm worried about is not big enough. <laughs> I don't think you've designed a big enough building. Verse four says, "Fear not." It says that. Come on, church, say that. Fear not. Now yeah, say it like you mean it. Fear not. Fear not. One more time. Fear not. Because where you're going, it's like you're going to hit barriers in your emotions, barriers in your capacity. No, we haven't been this way before, I know. But praise God, somebody else has been that way. His name's Jesus. Praise God this word lasts longer than you and I and it's gone that way. Praise God for people like Pastor Phil Pringle who took the step and decided to build a building like this but even bigger and now all around the world hundreds of churches and movements have got building funds and buildings are going up all over the world making a difference in their community. You are coming in and under. What is on you is what you are under. What is on these guys is because they come under it. No longer are they crossroads but they're breakthrough because they're coming under an anointing, of breakthrough. What's on my... My life is not because of me. It's because of what I, it's what I put myself under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's on you? You're out there struggling. You know, you're here, but you're not really here or you're part of it, but you're only half in, half out. The deal is it's not till you get all the way in 150% baptised into the vision, baptised into the house, that what is on these guys is actually going to get on you. Right. You ever wonder why these people, they're like, people, but it's like nothing ever seems to happen. It's like, I don't know what it is. There's a point where you have to go and there's a step that you need to take. There's a commitment you need to make. There's an action you need to go with, not just an attitude, not just a word, not just, well, I believe you, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It's like I am under these guys and there's a whole new level. Somebody goes, why honour Pastor Phil and Judy? There's different levels. Yeah. And to, to honour means to bring a gift. It actually means to actually bring something that is, that is of cost to you. And and every time this church goes to another level, it's because you all choose to come under these guys in a far greater degree. Who's looking after them? We are. Pastor Phillies. There's plenty of people overseeing. Our job is to come under. Transparency is a healthy thing. Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. It's going to work. It's not not going to work. Don't be scared about that. Don't honour fear. Don't honour all the things that could go wrong. Don't honour what you don't have. Honour what you've got. Honour the faith that God's placed. Honour the Word. Honour the leaders that are called. They're either called or they're not. I don't know anybody can hold a church in a tent for four years straight and have unbelievable music. You guys are playing these songs better than they do at Oxford Falls and I am not just pumping you up. The treasure of this house is the presence of God. I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm thinking, maybe we could get this whole band in God on the city just for one Sunday just to sort of kick our guys along. I'm looking at your women's conference. I'm like, I'm getting all these CDs coming to me from, from, from uh, G- uh, Julie preaching. And it's like, man, what, 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 how do we oversee this person? They're, they're like, unbelievable. I'm listening to Phil's vision. I'm going to repent because I'm not dreaming big enough. I'm meeting all your leaders going, I want these people in my church. What's in the water up here? I'm, I'm like, I'm not like hearing all these stories. And I'm like, I'm looking, I'm listening to your sound system. Man, Tim, how do you do it? There's a grace. Guys, guys, honour. Yeah. Honour the word. Honour your pastors. Honour what you've got. Yeah. And this is his. You will not be put to shame. You will not be confounded and oppressed for you shall not be put to shame for your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts, his name, the Holy One of Israel. You yeah. redeemed of the God of the whole earth. Yeah. Come on, you need to get ready to go again. Get ready, get the second wind. You've had your break. Now, bam, we are got to race all the way for the next six months. Today, God's saying, get ready. Faith accomplishes what is impossible for you to do in your own strength. It is attracted always to the areas of barrenness in your life. The Word of God will always attract you on the area that you're barren in your life. Faith will come to the area that you least expected. It will come to the area that you're probably the weakest. It will come to the area that you are probably the most broken in or the area that you're most barren in, unfruitful. Don't, and that will scare you. He's like, God says, I've called you to speak me. You know, I've called you to song. I remember my pastor said, right, I want you to BV on stage. I just got water baptised and I was 16. And, uh, and he said, you're going to sing on stage. And I was petrified. Not once did I go into school production. I stood in the back row, watched my twin brother stand on the stage in the lead role and I'd cringe thinking maybe. I'd sit behind the guy with the big brown light at the back, you know, the guy, the, the spotlight guy. And I would feel embarrassed and fearful and cringing going there, not even the show, thinking that maybe they could call me up still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you're going to sing on stage. And so I sung and we were on the stage in the school hall. We sat up and packed down every week for about eight years and there was a curtain that came in and I just took one step behind the curtain and no one could see me. And I thought, okay. And then they opened the curtains and I'm freaking out, <laughs> gripped with fear. And for about the first couple of months, I sung on stage and I mimed. Because I thought that if I could hear my voice, because I've heard my voice, I'd cringe. And I thought, my goodness. And then I became a song leader. I was a song leader for 10 years. I was the best song leader Christian City Church I've ever had. <laughs> I'm telling you, we had hot worship. It was good, mate.
1: I was on a roll.
0: And then he said, You're going to preach? <sighs> Freaked out again. The word of God will come to the area of barrenness in your life. Right. Faithful will accomplish the impossible. You know, there wasn't. Such a long time ago that this was just a dream. That this was just a piece of vacant land without a day, without a dream, without a plan. It's the first step. Let me hear church. Come on, church. It's the first step. It's called the seed step of faith. It's the first step that the initiative of, of the devil tries to take. He is scared of your first step. He's scared of your next big step because it guarantees, because God guarantees that the seed step that you have will turn into a harvest. And the devil is scared of the seed because he knows it's got a destiny and a power to be turned into a harvest. He's scared of people who have faith because he knows when you go to a place of faith that you become unstoppable because you are now being operated by the Word and the power of God. And the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell cannot stand the onslaught of the church walking by faith. When you walk by faith, you're walking in the power of God. And when you take a step of faith and say, we're going to get this building up. We're going to commit to give this. I'm going to sell this and give this. I'm going to give even more. I'm going to make it happen. This is not about you guys having a building. This is about a generation, a harvest, a whole generation of people who have die and gone to hell. And God's called this remnant. This is like a leader's meeting in 10 years' time. Come on, guys. You, you, you've been called. God reckons you up for it. So do I. So do your pastors. Faith calls things that are not as if they were. The first step is the seed step. It's the one the devil tries to take. He doesn't want you to believe God's word and step out because he knows you become unstoppable. The first building's the hardest. How hard has it been? you got the land and you got the approval. That took a few more years. Then you've got a thing half up and the banks have got all weird on you. And, uh, and it's like, how hard can it be? Because he knows if you can get one building up, you can get five buildings up. He knows if you can get... Why is it so hard to get one person saved? Because He knows if you can get one person in your family saved, you can get your whole family saved. He knows if you can believe God for $1,000 for your eyes and build, you can believe God $10,000 in the next year. Come on. This is what He's coming against. It's that seed step. It's that first step. Because if you can believe God for this, hey, you can believe God. How hard does it get healed sometimes? Because He knows if you can get yourself healed, You can get other people healed really easy. Are you with me? Can you understand the fight? Can you understand what's unseen is more real than what is seen and why there's a battle to call heaven to earth and bring the reality of heaven to earth? Because you're operating by faith. Come on. Ephesians 3, it says this, Now to him who is able to exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask, think according to the power that works in us. Amazing scripture. Matthew Henry says this, there is an inexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God which the prayers of all the saints could never draw dry. Whatever we may ask, whatever may we, we may even think to ask, whatever you've thought about asking God, but you oh, God couldn't do that, I'm not going to ask Him. Whatever you have asked Him, God can still do abundantly more, exceedingly abundantly more. If your faith in His Word can see this building get up, you've got the faith to do the whole thing. And that's what the devil is coming against. You need to do something impossible for you. You need to get creative. What are you going to do? Noah built an ark. What a madman. What a weirdo. For 120 years, he built an ark in a desert where it hadn't rained. People looking at you guys, what are you guys doing? Some of you sitting here looking at you, what are we doing? <laughs> you've got to get creative. Peter stepped out of a boat. He stepped out of a thing made by the hands of men onto water made by the hand of God. What did he step out on? He stepped out on a command. Jesus said, come. It wasn't an invitation, it was a command. He was talking to a soldier. He said, come. And he stepped out on the word of Jesus. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He's a fisherman. He probably made the boat. He owned the boat. He was good at what he was doing. He was successful. The Bible says he owned the boat. And he stepped out of that environment that he was known for, identified for, experienced in and he became onto the Word, onto the water. Noah built an ark, Solomon built an amazing house for God. Joseph dared to dream. What are you going to believe God for this year? What's God asked you to do this year? If our thinking is conformed to the world we live in, our reference point is no longer heaven and our future becomes small. If you're continually looking at your cash at bank, your world is going to get smaller. If you're continually working your whole world on and your vision and your dream for this year based on the salary that you're paid, your world will get smaller. I'm not saying you need to spend above your means, but I need you to take a step of faith. I need you to take a step of faith and begin to believe God because we need to get bigger. When you get bigger, the church will get bigger. And this is what I'm saying. You can't be bound... You cannot be bound by what your circumstances are saying. As long as your circumstances and your abilities and what you've got and what you've done in the past is your reference point, your world can continue to be small and you'll pull back. Pastor Phil says this amazing quote in that book, Faith Over There, you need to get it and buy it and devour it. I've read that book 12 times. (laughs) I built a business on that book. I built a business on that book that's enabled me to give. I don't know how much money we've gave. The first year we gave like 50, then 50, then 100 and then we committed 100 and then 50 and then along the way we've given a few miracle offerings worth ten $20, and $20,000 uh, and I'm telling you, it's because of that book. That book changed my life. That book changed the life of a scared, timid, 16-year-old boy who never really thought much about anything, just had a pretty cool life and to a man who's now possessed, uncontrolled, unstoppable, <laughs> madman for gold. And a great husband. (laughs) Faith exists in a relationship with God. Faith knows emotional feelings are unreliable basis for action. Faith does not rely on the natural senses. Faith does not rely on past experiences. Faith does not rely on the opinion or the mindset of the world. Faith does not depend on man's ability. Faith relies on one thing, what God has said, his word. One thing and one thing only. Second point, hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Take heart. Hope takes heart because God can do something when you can't. I love what we do at Christmas. We do a Christmas hampers to all the underprivileged, the single mums, the street workers, the homeless kids, the people living in in refuges, the people who just won't have anything for Christmas. Nearly every single person that we give a hamper to, around about, I don't know, three to 500 hampers, nearly every single person that gets a hamper, the only thing they get for Christmas is our hamper. How good is that? Because you know what the hamper says? It's not about the hamper. We're giving them hope. 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 Hope takes heart, hope impacts. Not once does Jesus pray for anyone to be sick, confused, poor, killed, hungry or pronounce judgement on those who come to him. What we see Jesus doing is telling people their future, wanting to bless children, empowering men to go and heal, teaching them to work miracles, distribute food to the hungry, comfort people in pain, forgive people who have done wrong. When we come into a paralysed, when we come in paralysed, God gives us his plan that will walk and march again through life. And he says this in Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, say hope, Hope, hope. and a future. Hope believes in the future no matter how bad the past is. I love talking to people who have been through it because they're full of hope. And some people, the past knocks them around and other people it makes them. And I'm not discounting the hardness of the severity and the difficultness of the time of the storm and the trial but it's the making or the breaking.
1: And, uh, you, know, we,
0: we, you know, the deal is you're not going to win every battle as long as you win more than you lose. And the good news is at the end of the day, we're guaranteed to win. Amen. Amen. Phil Pringle says this, hope is the health of our emotions, the sanity of our mind, the brightness of our spirits, the anchor of our soul. We can all draw near to God through hope. I remember as a new Christian, but the one thing that stuck with me, I didn't understand what my church believed. I thought half of what they were doing like ho, ho, ho! And all this stuff was all weird. And I didn't understand what they believed or what they were trying to do. But what I did get is how much they believed in me. I just was believed in. Pastor Ferg and Judy McIntyre, being church in CCC from the very beginning, have started three or four churches in the movement. Now they're itinerant prophets. We'll see what we can do to get you guys to have these guys. They're amazing speakers and there have been I remember I travelled the world with Pastor Ferg several times and had this great opportunity to come under his prophetic anointing and uh, his pastoring and uh, just a few years ago he was um, in uh, uh, the church Joyce Meyer goes to and he prophesied over Joyce Meyer and and, and she went back about 30 30 feet in the air when the prophecy hit her and he said Jesus what did he say I have not called you to be a teacher but a, a woman of revelation." That's right. He says, you haven't got a teaching ministry. It, he says, you've got a deliverance ministry. And boom, she went flying 30 feet in the air backwards. Bam. He and he was like, I can't believe I said that. He's so humble. But when it's on him, and uh, and he's a great friend of Pastor Phil's and he's been CCC all the way. And uh, the deal is this, guys, this is the hope test for your life before I move on to the last point. Is it hope is determined in us is that we're better known for what we are for rather than what we're against. What type of person are you? What type of family are you? Are you known for what you are more for or for what you're against? And I know you'd be against a few things. There's a soberness and a maturity about that. But are you more known for what you are against as a Christian, as a member of this church, as a leader, as a young person? Or are you more known for what you are for and that is the hope test be a person full of hope let people know God's heart towards them you know what hope does it just finds a way for somebody to win how can I find a way okay they've got you know they've you know you might have a bad leg and a shocking eye or you've got a, an issue with this and you've got that and that's happened to you people come into your church and are like, oh my goodness what are we going to do with these people somehow some way we'll be able to give them a job we're going to find a way for you to win here that's our job. We're going to find a way for you to win in life. It may not happen overnight. It may not happen in 30 seconds. But we will find a way to get you guys to win here. And that's my vision for you guys to find a way to get this building out of the ground and get it up and running and to get it filled. We're going to find a way. And that's what hope says. The last, last one is love. That's right. Faith, hope and love. Everybody say love. Love, love is the goal. Love is the goal. That's why the greatest of these is love. I feel the love of God in this house. There's a charisma over this house. There's an anointing. The charisma, the anointing over this house is an anointing of the love of the Father. It's the Father's love. It's the love of these guys are fathers. They're sons but they're fathers. And that's why there's so many sons of the house is because you've got fathers. I think the thing that is over this house because you come into, oh, it's the presence. I think the greatest treasure you have in this house is the presence of God. The presence of God all through the Old Testament goes with God having people in tents. And He made them in tents because He didn't want them to get, get religious and stuck down in their ways. And he, he wanted them to stay flexible and flowing and yielded and malleable by the Holy Spirit. That's why God has kept you in a tent. The greatest treasure you have, the greatest treasure you have. Is that God has kept you in this beautiful tent? This tent is priceless. You can't buy what's in this tent. You cannot buy what's in this tent. I know people who are worth twenty million, fifty. I've got clients worth one hundred and fifty million dollars. People I know, and their friends have got three to five hundred. I sat with a guy at lunch worth about three hundred million dollars. He has a goal to buy every single dairy farm on the eastern seaboard of Australia. Because the shortage of cows in the world, in, in, in India, uh, they, don't, they don't, you know, they, they worship their cows. In Russia, when they came out of communism and the economy fell, they slaughtered all their cows to eat them. In China, they killed all their cows to eat them. Two biggest nations, fastest growing nations in the world. Haven't got cows, haven't got dairy. This guy's worth a lot of money, good guy. But you know what? He's got is nothing. compares to this presence. Don't be thinking, what am I in this funny old tent for? I love this tent. I'm into it. But you know what's in here? Can I just say that the treasure, the treasure you have is the presence of God. But you know what? It's the presence of the Father. The love I'm feeling is the love of the Father. And the other thing you're going to experience is the provision of the Father. That's what this church is going to go to a whole new level. And I don't want to harp on about the finance thing, you know. know. I was listening to the guy, if you can check him out, it was at Awakening, uh, Francis Chan. He says, "I I don't care about money. He says, I don't care about money. I don't worry about money. He says, because I'm a friend of God. And look, you know, it's not about the money. It's not about the building. God uses the buildings to build the people. He's trying to take you up to another level. It's not always is stretch and grow. The seasons of care and nurture. And I think you guys have been cared and nurtured. But if all these guys ever do is care and nurture for you, they let you down. They will fail you. Their job is to stretch and grow you and to care and nurture. Don't just be someone who wants to be mollycoddled and cotton-boiled because they're letting you down doing that. They have to stretch and grow. And so there is a season that you're in, okay, that you've been prepared for that season In the presence of the Father, experiencing the love of the Father. Now we're going to experience the provision of the Father. Jesus is the hope of the world. Love is the goal because the kingdom is love. If faith sees, hope feels, then love gives. Love is about giving. Love is not an emotion, it's a cheap form of love. Even though the emotions are valid and they're wonderful, But love gives, for God so loved the world, he gave. He said, well, I feel I love you. I don't really care how much you feel if you love me. Would you put a ring on my finger (laughs) and give? (laughs) Show me some commitment? Because feelings come and go and emotions are beautiful. God gave you emotions, but he also gave us an ability to give, an ability to commit. (laughs) A marriage won't be sustained if it's just built on emotions. Well, I don't feel in love with you anymore. So? But I'm still committed to love you. Hello? Love gives. Jesus says this in Mark 12. He says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, all your strength. And the second is love your neighbour as yourself. There's no greater command. Love will always lead you to advance behind enemy lines. Yeah, yeah. You're here. How did I get here? I'm behind enemy lines. You're not on the coal face. You're not on the front line. You're actually behind enemy lines. <laughs> that's why the gates of hell can't prevail. That's what that means. It's not about, oh yeah, oh, yeah we're fighting hell and hell's, hell's coming against us. No, it's not. The Bible says, that's what it means. Jesus says the gates of hell will prevail. Will not prevail. What it means is that the gates of the city cannot hold the onslaught is a predetermined disposition and fact and truth and revelation to the devil and every demon. That they cannot hold the onslaught of the church because the church is advancing because the thing that advances you behind enemy lines is the love of God. And you've got all the way with someone going, how did I get here? (laughs) And you're behind enemy lines because you love. And the only way you can stay there is to keep giving it. And the only way God keeps flowing it into your life is to keep giving it out. The more you give it, the more he gives back. Giving it will be given, pressed down, shaking again and running over so you cannot contain it. That works for love as well as money. Amazing, isn't it? Come on church, you with me? Love will advance you behind the enemy lines to win the hearts of those who do not know him or his love. Love risks itself for the freedom of others. How many risks have you taken lately? Have you taken a risk to love somebody? Have you taken a risk to love somebody again when you think, I shouldn't love this person? Have you taken a risk again to forgive somebody again, to believe in them again, to give them a call? I've called them the so many times. Last time I called them, I told them to beep off and blah, blah, No. Love never fails. Love never gives up. Right? right?
1: Love your pastors.
0: When I gave my life to Jesus, all I remember is how much. My pastor loved me. I was not aware of what he actually believed, but I was aware that I belonged. And that's what planted me, was his love. In 1 John 4 verses 9. You know, the love of God, I think, is probably one of the most, most misrepresented subjects in the world. It is probably one of the most misrepresented, misunderstood things. And even people I meet in churches, still sometimes after years still don't quite understand the mercy and the grace. They still don't understand why we still believe in people that sometimes hurt us so much. Backstab or bail or you do so much work with some people and then they're gone. How do you pull that weed of hurt and bitterness? How, do you, how does that pain get healed? How does that thing, it's real when you get hurt, isn't it, huh? Love will take you behind enemy lines. There's a risk behind enemy lines. There's always a risk. But the love of God is unfathomable. It cannot be measured, its depth nor its breadth nor its height. This is the clearest picture of the love of God. 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his Son. I want you to listen to this scripture. Whose initiative was all this? It was all God's initiative before you did anything. You haven't got a leg to stand on. He sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved, but he has loved us. Although we have loved out of his love and maybe have been disappointed or maybe have been burnt out or maybe tired, or may feel broken, or may feel we haven't got enough of the goods. It's not that what you... it's Your world can't... Your reference point can't be you, church. To take this building to completion and to finish it and to fill it, the reference point is now shifting from you to God. Not that you have loved, although you have, but He has loved us. And He said His Son as the proof, as an anointing sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, people of Crossroads, since God has loved us, we ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. The Bible says that if we love one another, Jesus says on the night before he died. Always look at what people say just before they die, maybe if, whether it's in a movie they're about to die. What, what are their last words? It's normally the highest priority in the purpose of their heart, isn't it? They're like, they're on the deathbed. What they're going to say is going to be really, really... They're going to think about what they're going to say. And so Jesus, the night before he died, and the deal is, he just talked about how much he loved people. He said, love one another because when you love one another, That's how the world sees me. We want people to have a revelation of Jesus. God says they only see me when you love each other. That's what he said. He says, by this, the world will know me when you love one another. That's the fight of faith. That's the hope you're going to need. That's the love you're going to need. Just as we close our eyes and And bow our heads right now. Why don't we just come before him right now. Maybe you're here today.